What is up, everybody? It's Tuesday night. Tuesday night means one thing. It's Orion podcast time. My name is Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. You guys are watching or listening to Orion podcast. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. How the heck are you? How you been? Good to see in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you in the comments. That's that's just kind of how it works on the yeah. podcast live. We don't get to see everybody, but they're there. Moral yeah. supporting us. Morally supporting us. Moral, morally supporting us. Yeah, man. So, like, yeah, it's been an interesting 36 hours. Um PSA for all you folks out there at home. If your dog eats a corn cob, get it to the vet right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a real thing. Um, cows eat corn cobs all the time. I didn't think it was no big a deal. Um, it's a pretty big deal. So apparently, yeah, so it's corn cob season. Make sure you get your dogs. Don't let me eat corn cobs. Don't give it to them. I didn't give mine to it. It it was committed a robbery. But anyway, so I'm running on like. 39 hours of being awake. So if I start rambling like I am right now, just defer Zach. Just, just <laughs> jump in there and save me. <laughs> well, in the last couple of weeks, since the last time we were on, I guess you have fished a handful of tournaments. Yeah, that's to say the least. I think it's been like, well, you got two through the weeknight and then the weekends and man. Yeah. Busy time non-stop. of year. It's yeah. Yeah, since the start end of May and well, April, May, and now June, it's been man, it's been busy. It's been busy. We fished our first river tournament last week, the short fish, uh, short fish bash, as it should be called. Right. Um, yeah, those little little under twelves. Those are. It's hard to imagine that you're going out there and you're fishing for a fish that's under twelve inches because of the slot limit. Get two overs right. and as many enders as five um yeah that's different it's a different ball game different ball game but they bite they're dumb river fish and they ain't never seen a lot of them ain't never seen nothing before so it makes it even yeah. more fun yeah uh, a lot of volume a lot of catches anyway uh sometimes sometimes it uh it can be tough with the uh with the good old-fashioned carp asian carp that have um taken over the river but you know that's life we're learning Living, learning, having fun. We're out there fishing. It's the main right. thing. We, you've uh, you've yeah. got some stuff going on. You just got back uh, from another shoot. 
Yeah, so we hustled back from Indiana. I was home for, I don't know, eight or nine hours and got the yard mowed and laundry done and repacked and headed down to Seven Springs for the Total Archery Challenge event here in Pennsylvania. Uh, always a big crowd. I think this has grown to be either the largest or the second largest event in their their series of shoots that they have all throughout the country. Um, as if you guys, if you guys don't know, I mean, Pennsylvania is probably the most dense state in the country as far as bow hunters per square mile. Um, so it brings a lot of folks out. It's uh, the Archery Challenge is kind of a giant novelty shoot in a way. Um, I think they had eight courses set this year, and there's there's usually one course that's relatively short, kind of maxes out around 50 to 58 yards. Um, but a couple of the ones we shot, I mean, the RMEF course, which was Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation course, was all elk targets. There was 15 elk targets over about three to three and a quarter miles. Uh, I, think our, I think we had six targets over 100 yards, and our shortest one was 48. Uh, and then we shot the prime course on our second day, and we had a 120-yard moose target out there. Away. So that was, that was a blast. Um, I've worked at that shoot now for five or six years in a row and that's mm-hmm. the first time i've ever gotten to shoot it and uh it sounds like based on what uh the owner of the company that i handle social for and i had discussed and then the other gentleman that was with us is a really good friend of ours um with the companies that they have and stuff i think it's it's definitely kind of their target demo and i think worth their while to put their money into that versus some other events that they've done in the past so mm-hmm. there's a a good chance we hit five or six of them next year so it, it could be a busy but really yeah, fun it's, summer it's kind of fun to see some of these things changing in the in the outdoor space you know um companies like a jackson kayak going back out there and pressing the flesh with the people at events and, and the different things like that, rather than just going to the big trade shows and doing some of the other stuff that's, that happens. It's neat. Yeah. It's a neat thing. Yeah. You know, the trade show, especially in the archery world is more of a dealer specific show, but they still hit a lot of the larger professional tournaments and stuff. And I mean, with the pros and a lot of the folks shooting tournaments, you know, as you well know, there's a lot of sponsored folks or, you know, guys running on discount staff and things like that. So it's not a, a real big retail, uh, you know, effort for them or a return. And I think shows like, or uh, events like this, I think, you know, it, it gets them kind of, it's more grassroots if you want to look at it that way and mm-hmm. uh, gets them in, in touch more with the, the consumer and the everyday guy that's buying their gear. So I think it's a, it's a really good worthwhile event for them to be at. And they're a lot of fun. So. And, uh, and our guest tonight, man, he's, he's no stranger to being out there. He is a, uh, He's a man of the radio, man of the airwaves himself. A little bit more, he's got a little bit more experience than we do with our little podcast here. 50 uh, episode, this is like our 50th episode that we're actually publishing. So, you know. We're that high? We've crossed, we're going towards 100 now. So, yeah. A guy that's done way more than 100. One, the only, Mr. Joey Monteleone. What's up, man? How are you? How I am doing, Let me get you in the big box. You don't need to be in the little box. It ain't about us. It's about you tonight, sir. Been doing radio for 38 years, and we, we're we're live every day, uh, Monday through Friday, 5:25 a.m. And we're hitting 38 states. So drive time on the East Coast. I don't know that we're hitting the left coast, but we're 
uh, we're on the World Wide Web. So a lot of fun. Get a lot of fan mail from some some really strange places. Japan, Australia, Great Britain, Canada, uh, all, wow. all the states. Crazy. Great. It's fun. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I, I can imagine. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Some of the questions from Japan, though, have to be very interesting, though, for fishing. They are. They idolize American bass anglers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they just think we're it. And uh, they're on the cutting edge for a lot of different things. And they come mm -hmm. up with a lot of things that end up getting imported into the United States. And, and you know, uh, a sabiki rig is something a lot of people haven't heard of. It's a bunch of mm -hmm. it's a bunch of small jigs that you can use to catch. If you're in a place that's got shad, you can drop that down there. You might catch 12 shad on one rod. I mean, uh, some of the other things that they've come up with. And they're a, they're really um hardcore quality they want to make sure that everything is just as precise as it can be so it makes for an interesting uh uh trade-off yeah i can imagine some of the techniques that they give us over the years have been really they've really changed the bass fishing industry in a lot of ways especially here in the midwest where the conditions are less than favorable you know illinois ohio indiana where it can be pretty tough a lot of the time so lots of lots of those type of things come into play here and it's it's neat to see yeah, and so, you know when, when you talk about trade shows years ago, you guys weren't even born yet. <laughs> I've been, I've been <laughs> realistically, I've been doing this for over forty years. So, uh, we there used to be something called AFTMA, and it was a trade show, and it was the uh, eighty-five percent of the tackle that was sold that year was sold at that show. And mm -hmm. uh, you had, I mean, if there was a big name there, and I, I was sponsored, been sponsored by a few people for almost that same amount of years. And uh, it was a really unique. It's turned into ICAST now, which is a, it's a ICAST is a little bit more of a party than it was when, yeah. when I was doing it because we were there to work and we were there to sell. And it, it's mm -hmm. been interesting. And I, I kind of, you know, backed into TV and did TV for 35 years and have really enjoyed that. I mean, there's nothing quite like hooking a big fish on television. And it's, a, you know, it's a, having all those mediums, radio, TV, being mm -hmm. able to write. I authored my third book last year. Uh, have written magazine articles for over 40 years and so it's been it's it's been fun it's it's a it, it's a a unique style of communication that we have now that things have changed just into this i mean mm -hmm. there was there was no podcast when i was you know getting started doing this so this is good stuff yeah, yeah it's, for sure. it's definitely changing um so let's talking about changing and, and all that fun stuff and looking back in the day why don't you, this is one of the questions we always ask to all of our Ryan guests and I'd, and I'd like, it to ask to, like to ask it to you tonight. Um, tell us about your journey and, and how you began, began in the outdoors. I mean, was it something that started at a young age, something that came along later? How'd you get started? Well, it was much later for me. My father had a business and I always, I think I always gotten to do a lot of public speaking and I tell people that Farmers and Italians have kids so they can work for them. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> my dad had his own store. And so until, until I kind of broke free of that, uh, you know, I, I went out on my own a little, probably when I was about 20, I got my own full-time job and uh, I was intrigued by the fishing thing. I, I, uh, I hadn't gotten to go a lot, but I knew when I first started that I'd like it. And then the more I liked it, the better I got at it, the better I got at it, the more I liked it and start, I start taking some chances and, I've always taken, you know, again, because I'm not a gearhead and I don't have anything against people using electronics. I think sometimes I just wrote a blog post. It hasn't gone up on the website yet, but it's called the uh, uh, the um, essentially it's about the anglers 
that use just it's called instinctive kayak angler that mm -hmm. you just if you look at a long flat it's not like you think there's a big drop off on it if you look at a tree down in the water you can kind of tell it's in six eight feet of water you can tell by the size of the branch that it's a big tree if you see boulder rock you know there's crawfish that live there so there's a mm -hmm. lot of natural clues and i kind of follow that and so my early path was you know there's an old country song said too much month at the end of the money and that's that's who i was <laughs> and so i i won a flat bottom boat uh in a raffle for five dollars went out and got a trolling motor from a uh, from a swap shop and mm -hmm. i used to use the battery out of my van to, to, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say this to power my trolling motor and when the battery would run out i'd just go ahead and get a paddle and paddle my way in from a little lake and then i'd wave somebody down and get a jump start and off I go back. <laughs> That's when you know somebody really wants to fish when he'll do that. Absolutely. You know, and so doing the TV thing, you know, we had the big go fast boat. We had the 21 foot boat with the 250 on the back of it. And mm -hmm. I could do that, you know, but, you know, getting back and it's funny that we're, we're together now because this is uh, 10 years that I've been in a kayak and, uh, you know, that kayak world for me was not that much of a jump because I still liked the small boats getting into places other people couldn't get into and when other people are trying to catch you know you were talking about like the little dinky fish mm -hmm. when, other, I, when other people were trying to catch uh five fish for a limit i'm always looking for a five pound fish so mm -hmm. i do things pretty differently than everybody else does and probably am a little bit more scientific uh, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, not a, i'm not opposed to live scope i'm not opposed to electronics it's just that i feel like it's almost more fun to figure that stuff out on your own mm -hmm. yeah i would agree i mean and it, well you've seen the evolution and how far it's come um all these years i mean it, it's pretty incredible that you can actually see these fish swimming now i mean that's that's just wild and it's only going to as technology gets better it's it's only going to get clearer and better as we move along so um now you talk about writing and and the different things like that you know what what drew you what drew you that direction as to say, I want to be into the industry side, the hosting side over, you know, like Bill Dance and them, they went out originally and chased the the tournament side and, and all that, but then they came back to the media side. So what, what drew you to the media side first? Well, I guess, you know, like a lot of people my age and I'm, I'm 72 now and still paddling my kayak and feeling pretty good about it. But at any rate, uh, I saw things and read things that I thought were not correct, you know, based off of my experience. And so I wrote my first magazine article, sent it in. And as you might well expect, they bought it. <laughs> they, did, they didn't reject it, you know, mostly. And so it kind of started me on that path that, you know, uh, what is it? Superman said truth, justice and the American way. That's kind of that's kind of where I said, you know, I want people to know this is I'm not saying mine is the only way to do it, but this is how I do it. And mm -hmm. I played in the tournament thing for a little while and cashed a lot of checks and had a chance to go big time in the big boats and said, you know, my kids were three and seven at the time. And I said, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's mm -hmm. that life. is not what people think it is. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, if, if you're single and you want to be the guy that runs home and, you know, and, and uh, unloads the boat, grabs some clean clothes and pets the dog and goes back out the door, then you can do that. But that's not, it's not the life that people think it is. You know, most people, when people see you do TV, they think you're getting rich. No, you're not. When it costs a lot of money to do TV. It does. Oh, it yeah. does. And it, it's, it's a different life than people just don't understand. And I've been lucky because I've kind of tailored this all to where 
at the Grand Ole Opry. Matter of fact, my radio spot is with AM 650 WSM and people say it's an AM station. I said, it's the Grand Ole Opry station. We hit yep. 38 states with 50,000 watts. So at mm-hmm. the Grand Ole Opry, they say, you plug in, you pray, and you play. And that's pretty much what I did. I'd show up. I wasn't selling anything other than my knowledge and my presentation skills. And, you know, I did that for 35 years, did boat shows all over the country, which I greatly uh, enjoyed. And, you know, one door opens the next door where uh, I went to Mexico to film a video for Bass Pro Shops. And uh, I, I went to Canada one time to do a wilderness canoe trip so I could catch some big smallmouth and fell in love with it. So I guided up there for 27 summers, you mm-hmm. know, so one thing just kind of leads to the next to the next. And, you know, if you have a passion for this stuff, it's not it. I mean, it's still work, but it's something that you can truly enjoy. And I love it. I mean, I still love it. And been, you know, we fished last year 120 days. People said, mm-hmm. you get tired of that? And I said, when I get tired of it, sometime in July, usually I put my rods up for about 10 days and saying, I'm going to recharge my batteries and go back out there. But, you know, there's and it, not just because we're in kayaks, but, you know, if you want to talk about up close and personal, we drift up on so many different wild creatures and see mm-hmm. so many things and can get in areas that people can't get into that the kayak world, I'm not saying it's for everybody. I always say that's why there's chocolate and vanilla ice cream, because everybody yep. likes something different. So if you want to go 60, you're not going to do it in a kayak unless you get caught in a in a, a tornado. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but other than that, you know, the wind's not your friend, but you can learn to use the wind. And it really it, it is uh, the instinctive part of me. It's kind of like deer hunting, which I do. I, I don't have the passion for that like I do fishing. But, you know, the instinctive part of you, you feel a tremendous amount of success at figuring out the puzzle. Because believe me, you guys well know it's a puzzle out there. Oh, yeah. much so. Yep. Now, talking about the wind is not your friend. You can make the wind your friend. You, but you, absolutely, you can. If it's anything like Zach and I, typically what happens is we'll blow down to one side of the lake and then the wind's blowing against us as we try to paddle back it. Yep. <laughs> it seems like we think we think we'll get over here to get out of the wind, and then by the time we get there, it changes direction and screws us yeah. again. So we gotta go back the other direction. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you gotta be making adjustments to nature is a big part of any outdoor activity. And I, I've, I've been criticized for saying this, and guess what? I don't really care, but I said, there's no such thing as bad weather, just people who aren't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when the wind blows, I go to the windblown bank and pick up a spinnerbait. Did it today. You know, mm-hmm. the spinnerbait bite's not great right now. We're getting some shad spawn, so you, it'll pick up. But, you know, when that wind's pushing you around, it's like, let it do, you know, I position myself with the paddle, but I'm launching that spinnerbait, and I, I've got a shad pattern type spinnerbait. And then when it, when it drops off a little bit, I'll go back to a plastic worm or like I said, today was a was a great frog bite. I mean, we we mm-hmm. were all over them and we're living right on Woods Reservoir, but it's a new lake to me. You know, I, when we're doing the TV shows, I fished all I fished all over the country, but uh, I, I only got to fish some of these lakes one or two times. So when you live on one, everybody thinks, well, it's your home lake. Well, it's your home lake. But, you know, again, not using electronics and trying to figure things out. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of it turns out to be a common sense thing. You know, like for me, we fish a lot of plastic. And the reason for that is if you look at what big fish are caught on most of the time for people that really know what they're doing with plastics, you mentioned tubes earlier, you Mm -hmm. know, tubes, plastic worms, frogs, lizards, that whole thing. And I tell people there's two things that people ought to remember, R&R, retrieve and random action. Your random action baits, those plastic baits, Soft plastics catch more big fish every year, and they will forever. And random action is the reason why. 
that if you throw a spinnerbait or a crankbait, and I'm not saying they won't work, but random action will actually, the fish never catch on to that. And Chad's throwing one thing and I'm throwing something else and we're both throwing a different. Zach picks up something, he throws it different yet. So it's always going to be random action. It's silent. They're usually long, thin shapes, easily swallowed. You can, the color, you can dictate by sky color, wind velocity, those kind of things. But mm -hmm. that random action. And I realized today when I was fishing, I know you guys have both done this. You throw out there and you just feel a little bit of something. You're not sure and you go ahead and set the hook. I've added an R, another R to it today. It's called resistance. When you mm -hmm. feel something different on there, and even if it's a little bit of a weed, when you pull it back up, when you pull that up, it should have felt a little bit different. When you're in tune with what you're doing, that really does make a difference because we've all had those bites when you're saying, you know, I didn't feel anything except for just something felt a little different. You know, if they're mm -hmm. swimming towards the kayak or if they're swimming to the side or they're just kind of, you know, and they're just swimming to deeper water with it. A lot of times you don't get that really pronounced tap, tap. You got to be ready mm -hmm. to set the hook all the time. So feeling yep. resistance is really, really important. Oh, yeah. Now, um, talking about flipping plastics, um, what's your what's your go-to plastics combo? Um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, of throwing, you talked about the tubes because a tube falls differently than anything else does. And let's mm -hmm. face it, you know, you guys, I think you're in Indiana. Your yep. legs get a Pakota, Patoka, yep. gets a lot, gets a lot of pressure. You oh, know, lots of pressure. When people are pressuring those fish, they need to see something different. Bass, crappie, bluegill. If you look at their eyes, they're telling you, I feed by sight. So they have to get something different to really get them. Now we go back to the idea that you got random action. And a tube, when they bite down on that, is a, a different bite. And uh, the mistake most people make is they use too small a hook. You know, with a tube, I'm going to throw a five odd hook. I'm going to throw a three eighths ounce slip sinker and I put a red bead in between. And the red bead for me adds a color red. It's it keeps it keeps the line off of your knot a little bit. And it mm -hmm. add, will actually add a clicking sound when you're using it. So I do mm -hmm. all of those things. And with that tube, I really you know, we talked about heavy cover. I really like to pitch that tube inside a cover and just kind of yo-yo it a little bit. And I've caught a lot of really big fish on that tube, a lot of fish. And the reason I pick up the the uh, three eighths ounce is that everything that I can, I throw three eighths ounces. So it's like every time I throw, I'm feeling the same thing every time. It feels like three yeah. eighths. It's kind of like throwing a softball a hundred times and picking up a golf ball. You know, so yeah. it's gonna. So when you, it feels the same every time. Casting accuracy. There's days when it, you know, there's days when the strike zone is big. There's days when the strike zone is really small. So mm -hmm. those days, it's going to pay off if you can put that exactly where you want to put it. Yeah, very good. That makes I a lot like of sense. That. Yeah, absolutely. Now, rods and reels, like what are you looking at for those? Are you a medium heavy guy? Do you fish medium? Well, uh, this is another one of those things. I've been with Strike King and Lose for, well, for probably over 35 years. So I've got, yeah, I'm the guy that's got 100 fishing rods. Mm -hmm. And I give away more of them than I keep. I can tell you that. And you know, I go with a, you know, that it's like the, we talked about the frog bite. I actually got to design some rods and mm -hmm. uh, I designed some rods that were leaning to the side of heavy, but medium heavy is what they were marked as. So if you're, you know, before the advent of braid, when you're using monofilament line, you know, we all thought like 20 pound mono, you know, you can winch them out of there. Mono's got stretch to it. It's got 10 to 15% stretch to it. So when oh. you went to braid, it kind of made that a little bit easier. And if you look at all these big name guys that are fishing now, those rods are doubled up about, but they're, what their compensation is, is they're using braid, which is no stretch and can mm -hmm. make a good knot. Now, 
it, speaking about knots, I, I did a blog post for Je for Jackson Kayak that said, don't go nuts over knots, is that a Palomar knot followed by a clinch knot on braid is a really good idea. Double up your knots because sometimes that braid will slip a little bit. So mm -hmm. I do go with the medium heavy rod for a frogging, for uh, for jigs and plastic worms. And I've caught, I've caught seven bass over 10 pounds and one over 11. And six of those came on jigs. That's going to tell you exactly what I was saying before, that random action. You know, so you, you can't argue with success. And, you know, I've, I also follow the moon phases. And if Zach's a hunter, I guarantee he'll tell you. Nope, I lost his audio. It's it's just how it goes. I mean, you know, you, you may not like it, but boy, it's great for fishing. And if you don't no, fish no. in the wintertime, you're missing a, a, a big chance. Yeah, and, and Tennessee really – Tennessee is a great state because you guys really do get a fish pretty – well, you get approval fish all year round. We do. We do. There's always a place here where you can fish. And, you know, when I was traveling and doing seminars, people would say, do you ice fish? And I had a standard answer for that. I said, ice is God's way of saying it's time to quit fishing. I, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I, I don't fish through the ice. <laughs> but, yeah, the winter, the winter months, you know, again, there's probably less people. Now, I, I do – I, I preach down here about people wearing life jackets because it's it's not just a pet peeve. Every weekend here, I have to report on Monday morning that there's somebody to drown because they weren't wearing a life jacket. And it's mm -hmm. just that simple. It's just that simple. So in the wintertime, it's even more so, you know, and I'm not saying there's time that not. And people will say, well, I'm only in seven feet of water. Well, dude, you can drown in seven feet of water. And that life jacket yeah. is I, I just really believe in that. You you'll never see a picture of me in the boat without a life jacket. It's not going to happen. If I get a really big fish and I want to flash my JK, you know, then I'm going to step out of the boat, but I'm going to be on land, on a boat ramp, on a dock somewhere, but mm -hmm. I'm going to be wearing a life jacket. Otherwise you can count on that. And again, like you said, we have, we have the Highland reservoirs in the Eastern part of the state where I just moved from that's got, you know, I, you, people will say, you know, well, I'm catching those fish in 35 feet of water. What would you do? And I said, I don't know how to fish 35 feet of water. I'd stay home and watch cartoons. I, I, so I, I'm, I'm, some people would say I'm a power fisherman. I would say that I need my fish to be in 20 feet or less. And then, then I can figure it out. If they're in more than that, I'm just not the guy. I'm not a jig and spoon guy. But mm -hmm. we, have, we have the eastern state that's got the Highland Reservoirs. We've got, you go the other direction, the western part of the state that's got the Delta, Mississippi type of stuff and flatland. And then you go to middle and we've got a little of everything. And but I'm telling you, I've fished a lot of places. And, you know, I moved to Tennessee when I was 30, so 42 years ago. And I've never been anywhere with the exception of Canada that I'd say, if it never got cold in Canada, I would go just for the, the smallmouth fishing. <laughs> well, and the black flies. That's I, When I guided up there, I would not take a trip in there before the end of July. I mm -hmm. would go in August because that's their fall and the black flies are gone. Yeah, because that's yeah. miserable. That's, yeah. you know, you could catch, you know, it was nothing to catch a half a dozen smallmouth over five pounds. And I was pretty specific in what I was doing with people. And when people went up there and wanted walleye again, it's like, or lake trout, I said, I'm not the lake trout guy. That's slow and deep. And I said, I'm not that guy. I'm, you know, I'm throwing buzz baits and spinner baits and single hook baits, especially for those smallmouth. Cause the last thing you want to do is try to unhook a smallmouth on a crankbait. That's got, you got six hook points and saying, yeah, that's, that's a losing proposition when you're out in the mil middle of a wilderness area. Yeah, it can yeah. be. That's for sure. It can be. Um, so talking about, we're talking about rods, we've talked about reels and, and, and all that, but the uh, back to the radio thing, I'd, I'd like to hear, you know, how did, how did you get started on, on the radio channel? I mean, how did that transpire? 
I was doing a boat show mm-hmm. and MC in a casting competition. And I was pitching a jig into a cup from 30 feet away. And it caught the attention of a lady that walked up there. And she said, you know, I'm listening to you. And she said, you've got a great voice for radio. And then the, the story that follows behind that is you got a perfect face for radio. But <laughs> what she said, you know, you're really good at, at you know, entertaining people and, and you keep it going. It's a lot of a lot of good discussion that you're having with people while you're doing all this. Would you like to try to do a radio spot? Well, you guys know you're out there and, you, every, you know, every time somebody comes up there, 95 percent of the time that just never happens. Mm-hmm, and so right. she, yeah. her name was Jenny Harmon. She she called me and said, come down to the station. Let's talk about doing this. So I went down there and we signed up to do a we signed up to do a just a Friday afternoon so that they could, you know, people would get ready for the weekend. And uh, it went from being fishtails and tips to inside the outdoors to wild side radio, which is what it is now. It, it, it morphed into that because the TV show that we did was Tennessee's wild side. And actually the, the I'll be Tennessee in you, which I've got copyrighted now came from that. When I catch my first fish on television, when I was turning it loose, nobody's going to remember Joey Monteleone, but when you say I'll be Tennessee in you, people would remember that. So the radio kind of went from one thing to the next, to the next. And now, now we're doing a, you know, we're doing a regular feature every morning and again it's uh i've done some guest spots for other people's radio and i i guess that's kind of a it seems like a little bit of a lost art for people to do radio you know mm-hmm. that people yeah. sometimes you know because if you think about it the average person they'll stay with a tv station or radio station for 45 seconds if they're not into it they switch they go to the next thing yeah. so you got to really hit them you got to you got to have hard hitting stuff and the trademark of this show that i try to tell people not what happened last week, because that doesn't matter. So if I'm fishing, like tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell them the water temperature here is 78. Water's relatively clear. We had a northwest wind that kept the temperature down to 74. And, you know, this is what we found. You know, we found fish and we found fish as shallow as four feet. We found fish as deep as 18 feet. You know, mm-hmm. and this is what we did. So we're not telling them what happened last week. That's historical. Nobody cares. We're right. telling them what to do today and probably as important as anything else, what to do next week. So it's it's not all fishing, it's outdoors. And we have, on Thursday, we have what we call campfire stories where I get to lean back and tell a story about something I did many, many years ago about a squirrel breaking into my house and the dog <laughs> chasing it down and me catching it with a fishing net or seeing black bears <laughs> in Canada or you know whatever, those kind of things. And Wednesday, we have Wildlife Wednesday. And I take Tennessee, such a diverse state that that's mm-hmm. so easy to do, you know, that you can talk about you know, if you don't if you don't know about skunks or if you don't know about raccoons or those kind of things that we get into some detail. And of course, we mix that in with, you know, like this week, it's Father's Day gifts at the very end. They say, you know, this is, you know, I suggest to people they go buy a Jackson kayak. It's kind of <laughs> like, hey, if your dad don't have a kayak, he'll thank you for a lot of years. Just go buy him a Jackson kayak. Yeah, Get him a nice yeah. paddle and a life jacket and send him out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, with the radio, are you so are you driving into the studio every day or do you do it at home now? Or how's how's that changed for you? Well, they wanted me to come in studio and I go in every once in a while and I'll do a two hour set. But I mm-hmm. do it from home now because I told them I'd come in every day if they wanted me to. But I said, you better get your checkbook out because it's going gonna, it's gonna to really cost you. And I said, you know, with the technology that you have today, it sounds like I'm right in. The, I'm in the station anyway. So, right. you know, barring any really freaky things happening, you know, some weather event or something like that, it's very easy just to do f- from the house. So yeah. as as everything's evolving, do you ever see a uh, Fishing with Joey podcast? 
Oh, you know, I, I think I would leave that to you guys. I, you know, I've got, you know, I retired at 61. So for the last 11 years, I hunt, I fish, I travel. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing what everybody dreams about when people said you have a bucket list. And I said, no, I give you a bucket list. You follow me around for a while and you'll say, man, I'd really like to do that. And the really interesting thing for me with, with Chad and, and Zach talking to you guys is that I don't do anything. There's nothing that I do that anybody else can't do. I'm the guy next door. You know, mm -hmm. when people say, well, you know, I heard you, you know, you're a karate instructor for 20 years and you won three Eastern United States fighting championships. I'm saying, yeah, that doesn't take anything. You got to be a little dumb to do that, you know, because you're going <laughs> to everything I have has been broken once or twice, you know, but I'm not doing anything that somebody else can't do. When you climb in a kayak, when people say, well, I can't lift my kayak or I don't have a trailer, man, I put mine in the back of my truck. You know, yeah, I, I want to tell somebody, you know, give me your mother's phone number. I'll call her and help have her help you load your kayak. I mean. <laughs> You know, it's, it's not your first. You, know, you don't have to lift the whole kayak. You just slide yeah. it in the back of the, you know, if, where there's a will, there's a way. So mm -hmm. you can you can get to the water. And yeah, I've been in places that, you know, you have to drag that thing for a quarter of a mile or throw it up on your back. And, you know, those are the places that those fish never see a lure. I'm not doing anything that anybody else can't do. I'm the guy next door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything's attainable. You just got to want about enough, right? You, you you really do. You really do. Well, most people will say, so you fish in the wintertime? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, if I'm telling people how to fish in the wintertime, then I need to fish in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. You know, that if you're telling somebody in 48 degree water, you want to throw a jerk bait and a jig and leave everything else at home, you know, because it's, you know, you're not going to throw top water. You know, we start right. talking about seasonal tackle boxes. If I'm not doing this every day or, you know, a couple of times a week, I can't be the expert if i'm not doing that i can't i can't I, and sometimes i tell people i can tell you what's not working because i went out yesterday and got skunked so i can mm -hmm, tell you right. don't do this because that's not working but that doesn't happen very often it really doesn't i've been pretty lucky and uh, you know it's kind of like years ago i, I say i kind of cracked the code for the big fish and figured out what they like and what they don't like like you were talking about the little fish those mm -hmm. cookie cutter bass uh, you know they're the liars yeah. they're the ones that'll make you think that you got to figure it out the big fish are the one that will really, really help you tap into the secrets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is something to that. You can go through there and, and sometimes, you know, it can just be a change of direction too. The big fish may want to see it come from the opposite direction of, of where you're at. I mean, there's, there's so many factors that really come into play a lot of times. And, you know, it's, a lot of it is trial and error. I feel like, you know, as you're, as you're out there grinding each and every day and, you know, I, it's amazing to me that, you know, you're, you're getting up there in your years, not, not saying anything bad. I think you're doing great, dude. Um, yeah. so how do you stay like, I mean, besides loading your kayak in and out every day in the karate, what do you do to keep yourself going? Like, how do you stay in shape and, keep the balance. How would you inspire someone like yourself to say, listen, you can do this too? Well, I, it, it's like everything else, you know, you should start, you know, I always believe that in sports, it's all about speed and everything else. It's all about experience. Mm -hmm. So you should know your limitations. I think Clint Eastwood said it first and probably said it better, but <laughs> you should know your limitations. And for me, it's like the kayak is really a, an easy thing for me. And the first time that I was paddling a kayak, there was a bunch of JK people there and said, man, you've got a natural paddling stroke. And I said, this is just like karate. You're turning each time, you know, you're turning mm -hmm. just your punch, punch, you know, so you're using your core the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing is staying active. I mean, I stretch, I still stretch. 
Uh, I take a little supplement called BioFlex, which is good for the joints. They recommend you take three. I take one. You know, I sleep as long as I want to sleep. You know, I, I put in the hours when I was a younger person. I put in the hours, did a lot of hard work. And, you know, so you everybody knows their own body. You know, you wake up one day and say, man, I just don't feel good today. And so then you got to figure out what that is. Why is it that you don't feel good? And, and part of it for people that really age and at 72, I'm not saying I'm, you know, am stronger, faster, smarter than anybody else. But at 72, I still feel like I haven't, I'm not slowed up a bit. I, I can go, we paddle. It's not unusual for us to paddle six or seven miles in, in the course of a fishing day. It's not unusual at all. She paddles, I paddle. And I paddle because I want to. And I'm again, mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to somebody motorizing their, you know, again, whatever works for you. If you're doing this and it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. That's what I would tell people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Pretty good advice. Yeah, paddling. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I still, even though I pedal more often now, I still enjoy paddling. I still keep a paddling boat here at the house i you know first thing i do when i get a new boat is i paddle it like the nar it's a great it actually paddles phenomenal um the kusa fd paddled phenomenal and you know it's nice to have that ability my wife enjoys paddling she doesn't like pedaling so it makes sense when i go with her well and you know the other thing about the paddling and again i'm not trying to tell somebody else that this is what you need to do whatever that is that you like to do i've always got my own system for doing everything and to me, the paddle becomes, you know, and I've said this before in a lot of, in, a, in podcasts and in, in blog posts, that paddle becomes your outboard and your trolling motor. And probably most important, even if you're in a big boat, the big boat, just the motor gets you there, but the trolling motor is what's going to set you apart. So the mm-hmm. paddle allows you to go in today when I'm correcting, because I stand up 90% of the time. That's the other thing. The karate gives you good balance or pretty soon you become a good swimmer one way or the other. But that, <laughs> that, that paddle gives you the chance to make smaller corrections and the drift in there, I call it because again, the martial arts thing, the uh, put you in ninja stealth mode that you are going in. I had a fish hit, hit the, that frog today that wasn't three feet from the front of my boat. That fish never knew I was there ever. Mm, so, yeah. so it's, you know, the trolling motor does one thing. I'm not against the pedals, but sound travels through water five times faster than it does through air. Yes, it so, does. So it's it's one of those things that I'm not saying you won't catch fish, but I will tell you that my system says you get in there, you drift in there, you drop that bait in there as unobtrusive as you can be, and you will catch. You'll be surprised how many big fish you'll catch. You know, people say, "Well, that body of water doesn't have any big fish in it." There's some truth to that. Not every body of water has big fish in it. It takes healthy water, uh, a diverse forage base. And, uh, you know, and, and people being smart enough to do some catch and release, like I would never fillet a five pound bass. It's not going to happen. I, mm. I eat fish. I certainly eat fish. And when crappie season is on, it's like, you know, I'll put I do a 50 50 rule for crappie in the spring. I keep one. I, I, I leave one. I keep one. I leave one. And I don't clean more than 10 or 12 or anything because I know I can go back and catch another limit if I wanted to do that tomorrow, but I catch enough to make a meal or a meal and a half. But if you've ever deep fried crappie, believe me, there's not any leftovers. (laughs) No, no, not at all. This is kind of a conversation. I'm going to throw at you. Uh, Zach and I, and uh, our other Hanyaks that uh, we call friends have had this conversation uh, multiple times. And and it kind of goes, my philosophy on this kind of goes back to farming in a way. If, if there's a farm and it's, it's a fenced farm, um, you know, there's no free range or anything like that. And you've got a bull. Eventually 
this bull has run his course. It's time for Farmer John to get a new bull to put with the herd because, you know, new cows have come in or you've kept some of the, uh, the young heifers that have grown up and, you know, you need to get a new bull so that your genetics stay good in your herd. Um, a lot of times, some of these locked or fenced reservoirs that are not, you know, not really fed by much more than a small creek. Um, they don't really, they're not like the Tennessee River, the Cumberland River, any river system, so to speak. They don't really get restocked very often. They may, re, they may have built this lake in the 60s. And these fish have been there since the 60s with a very minimal restocking. So they haven't added any new bulls to that. Do you believe that that's, you know, not an influx of new fish into a reservoir like that is potentially what hurts long term because you're not putting a new bull into the pen? Well, I, I, you make a good point, but I would offer this, that genetically uh, for every pound of bass weighs a female weighs she can lay a thousand eggs out of mm -hmm. that thousand eggs. Two of them make it to two pounds. Mm -hmm. But so if you, if you're in a very fertile lake and you know, lakes when they're freshly built are very, very fertile. You can look at every lake that's ever been constructed for the first five years. I mean, everybody says it's a bass factory, you know, it does mm -hmm. do that as long as the water quality is maintained. And if people, and I think people have gotten a little smarter about catch and release and, uh, you, the fact that you can make a replica now and you don't have to take that fish and mm -hmm. you know, those big fish right. are, gen are can genetically produce more big fish. And unless you have a big die off, which you can have, I mean, that oh, can yeah. happen, but uh, unless you have a big die off, you know, that just natural bodies of water, if you've gotten to go to places that are, you know, when I was in Canada, when I was in Mexico, you can see that those places, it, the, the smaller fish, don't survive the big fish do they're genetically mm. predisposed they they actually get a little i don't want to say smarter because a bass has got a brain about half the size of a hazelnut they're not smart they become conditioned but one of the things you'll learn is that if you look at bass when they're little they'll ch they can they don't realize how big or little they are and they oh, will no. chase little bait well a big fish realizes that when it runs through a, a, a bunch of one inch minnows it doesn't get many of them because their gill rakers get bigger so they start mm -hmm. eating the, the ones that get bigger, eat bigger. So they, the idea of a bigger bait and a bigger bass is probably, I think, more accurate than people realize. But what happens is the ones that don't get it, they do die off. There's no question. So the mm -hmm. superior ones live and a lifespan for a bass where you're living is probably about 10 or 11 years. In Florida, it's about seven or eight years because they burn themselves out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm somewhere in between. So, you know, bass, you can actually take a scale from a bass and it's like when you cut a tree and right. the rings in a tree are called annually. That's mm -hmm. Latin for the, for the rings for years. Mm -hmm. And a bass scale has got exactly the same thing on it. It's got where you can judge how old the bass is by that. With deer, you can look at the teeth or the antlers right. or whatever and figure it out. But with a bass, you can do that. And your point's a good one, but I think people probably are a little bit more in tune with, I can show you pictures from mm -hmm. old magazines because I collect that old stuff. And people didn't, people were fishing for food. In 1944, right. the, the Creek Chubb Lure Company, the guy told me we sold more, we sold more artificial baits during the depression than we did any other time. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, it does when you realize people were fishing for food. Nobody put yeah. anything back. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. now people are smart enough to say, 
you know, they, it's a culture where we say we're going to return that, um, let them go, let them grow. You know, you, there's a bunch of little slogans, but, you know, people want to go back and I, I think people would rather, I really believe people would rather catch two really big fish than 10 cookie cutter bass. I, I really, I know for oh, me, 100%. I just, yeah, I mean, it, it's such a rush. I mean, I actually sit down when I hook a big fish because I, I stand up when I'm fishing, but I sit down when I'm reeling that big fish in because, you know, sometimes still after, and I, I'm not, I, it sounds like a brag, but it's documented. I have, I stopped counting after 1500 fish that weighed over five pounds. I've mm -hmm. been in great places. I've gotten to fish a lot and I've kind of figured out what they do, but I still get excited when I get one on. I still get excited. I mean, it's just, you know, my knees are shaking and my hands are shaking. You know, when you're done, you, you pull a seven, eight, nine pound. I caught a nine pound fish about uh, a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I couldn't wait to call everybody and send the pictures out. You know, that's that's my electronics. I grab that cell phone and everybody that I know and some people that I don't are going to get pictures. <laughs> <of that. laughs> well, I think you said it right there. I mean, any anytime you catch a fish of substantial size, it's going to cement that memory a lot harder than all those, you know, those short fish. Uh, well, and, you know, uh, when I say I'm not a deer hunter, I, I, I go because I love watching the woods wake up and I've got... I've got a, a, a access to a thousand acre farm that's gated and a guy won't let anybody else hunt in there, but me, and he heard me on the radio. Oh, wow. enough. Yeah. I and need to meet this guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen to podcast. it's almost like a petting zoo because last year, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like I decide if I'm going to take a doe or take a buck, whatever. And I, with the bucks were, I always tell people you can't eat antlers, but when the right mm -hmm. deer comes by and it did two years ago, I dumped yeah. a 10 pointer. And I, I told people, I said, and this again sounds like a brag, but I don't know many people that have caught a 10 pound bass and gotten a 10 point buck. And I said, I've done that. And yeah, the bass that's... isn't hanging on the wall, but the buck antlers are. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of similarities. You know, I don't know how mm -hmm. much you guys hunt, but if you look at a big buck and a big bass, you know, they're living by their wits. They're, you know, oh, yeah. and, you know, they're, and, you know, when people say, well, you know, that buck didn't know I was there, I was 100% scent proof. I said, no, you're not. That's never going to happen. Never no. going to happen. You know, no. you're wearing something that's given off your scent. And when people say, well, you know, we went into this little cove and that bass didn't know I was there. No, that bass knows you're there. You just do something to make it feel like whatever that is looks like something to eat. Then it's his job right. to eat it. It's mm -hmm. your job to present it. And, you know, you learn a lot of lessons. You know, I've learned a lot of fishing lessons in the tree stand and learned a lot of hunting lessons out in the kayak. That that sounds corny, but, you know, the wind, you know, what, you know, sound, how, what, what sound yep. does and fast movements yeah. and shadows and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's all translatable and transferable for sure. Yeah. Zach, this is a perfect example. Zach and I went to an area uh, when he was home over Memorial day weekend, we went in there and caught fish. What? No big deal. Um, easy peasy. I mean, there was boats sitting everywhere, you know, at the party boats and, you know, we kind of hung back at the back of this cove and we were, we were really to ourselves. Our footprints were our kayaks. Mm -hmm. Um, we went, we caught fish next very next Thursday. Uh, me and my other buddy were fishing a Thursday nighter out of a, out of a 20 foot skeeter go in there. Nothing. Yep. Nothing. Bigger footprint, more noise. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing when you're, when you're in a kayak and you've been in a kayak for a lot of time, how much noise a big boat makes. It, it, just, it does. You, you know, it, it. one thing that I point out to people is, you're in recreation mode. They're in survival mode. There's a, there's a big difference in mm -hmm. fighting for survival. And when you're out there just kind of recreating. And I mean, let's oh, yeah. be honest about it. I, I've heard people say, 
and I, I, I take the compliments with a grain of salt, but they say you're one of those people that's, they say 10% of the people catch 90% of the fish. There's some truth to that, you know, and again, experience, you know, you guys have both done this. You'll pull up to, I don't care if you pull up to a hunting spot or a fishing spot, you're looking and say, this is it right here. You just oh, know, and that's experience percent. speaking, right? That's experience speaking. You know, I've had a cameraman tell me before we were, we were, uh, I said, I, you know, on TV, I would say roll on me and I do a stand up. So it's kind of like a podcast to, to a certain extent. And I said, I'm going to throw a crawfish colored crankbait, or I'm going to throw a soft plastic crawl over at the base of that spot right there. And they said, well, why? And I said, well, there's a lot of limestone rock and it's fallen and it's two mud banks on the side and gravity has been working for the last 9 million years means there's a lot of limestone rock down there and crawfish live in there. I'm going to throw in there and catch a fish and cast in there. And the first cast, I caught a two and a half pounder. And somebody said, how'd you know that? And I said, it's some of it's common sense, some of experience. And there was somebody else along a tech guy was along and he asked the cameraman said, have you ever seen him do that before? He said 500 times. He said, it's just, he looks at it and he knows, you know, and it is, you just, you just know that that's yeah. the spot. It doesn't work every time, but there's that little, it's, it really truly is a sixth sense that you should follow when you're in the outdoors. Well, that's the difference between experience and wisdom, right? Yes. You can have the knowledge to do it, but do you have the experience to apply it and just, you know, rolling up on a spot like that, reading the context clues, the environment and everything, and just knowing, you know, color choice, bait profile, presentation, and, and you know, it just things happen the way they're supposed to happen. I was fishing a benefit tournament in Missouri where I'm originally from, and I went back and they called it Dream Factory. It was it, they they granted wishes to terminally ill children, and I helped start that. So I so I went back every year to fish the tournament, and you know I I kind of felt bad taking her money. So I went I went I went in there, you know, and the first day the guy I was with didn't catch a fish, and I I, I got my limit, and you know we were doing pretty good. And the second day we went out there, and I caught a, a really really nice fish. And so they were, it was a different because somebody was interviewing me and the guy said, well, the tournament's over. You mind telling everybody what you're doing? I said, no, I don't mind at all. It says pitching a black and blue jig. And they said, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Pitching. I said, well, there's a lot of people pitching a black and blue jig. And I said, yeah, I said, I was pitching the boat docks. And so well, I have to tell you, there's probably a lot of people pitching the boat docks. And I said, I was pitching the boat docks that had spider webs under them. He said, spider webs. I said, yeah, nobody pitched under there in a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, so, you know, it's some, you don't have to be smarter than everybody, just a few people, you just know, a few. Nope, just, just a few. <laughs> yeah. And you know, some of the advice I give people when they say, I'm never catching any fish. I said, go to smaller baits and slower retrieves. I said, you will be astounded. I'm not saying you're going to catch the biggest fish in a lake and I'm not going to say you're going to limit out, mm -hmm. but you, right. smaller baits and slower retrieves generally will catch you a fish. Yeah. I went through that process. You know, a lot of people are, we're buying faster reels, faster reels, faster reels. And, and they always wanted the fastest reel that they could possibly buy. Mm. And sometimes if you buy that old five, four and you throw that spinnerbait on that five, four reel, they're going to need it. Yep. And you and know, that's I usually think, when you'll catch the big one. Well, and you know, the, the great American way, if a little is good, a lot is better. So, you know, yep. you go from a, yeah, let's go to a 10.1 to one. It's like, man, what are you going to use that for? You, you realize you can, you, you can't really take a bait away from a bass if it wants it because they, they can swim in bursts of 12 to 15 miles an hour in a mm -hmm. burst. But, you know, you can make it look like, well, heck, I don't want to chase that. I mean, there's no way, yeah. I'm gonna chase, you know, so keeping it in the strike zone is probably a lot more important than people realize. And again, you know, regardless, I mean, if you look at if you look at flipping, I mean, true mm -hmm. flipping, which I don't do very often, but I do wonder who lily pads and, and heavy grass. 
Mm -hmm. you know, that you're making a house call. If you can't make that fish come to you, you go to the fish and people just don't, sometimes they don't understand that. And they just think, well, you know, that fish is only in four or five feet of water. Again, enter the kayak, you know, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. slipping in there really quietly. That thing drops in there. You yo-yo it a couple of times, let it, let it sit and yo-yo it a couple of times. And on the third trip, if nothing happens, you go to the next hole. But you, you know, again, if you're only fishing for five fish, it just really doesn't take much. And that's the other thing. That you guys, I'm sure you guys know how to do this, but you know, when people start to pattern a fish, when I was guiding somebody to catch a fish, and I said, So, what did you do different to catch that fish? And they'd say, Well, I don't know. Well, mm -hmm. that's not you can't that's not repeatable. So if you want to put a pattern together, whether you're fishing for fun or casting for cash, if you're if you're you got to put a pattern together, and it's really not that hard to do if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, we are about uh 10 minutes here left to go. You have got a couple questions from the audience based on comments that you've made tonight. I'm going to read them to you. Okay. Yeah. Joey Lasprey. He wants to know what your favorite cartoon is since you don't go ice fishing. <laughs> well, well I, I still like the Roadrunner and the Coyote. And the only reason I really like that is a, it's a big lie because a coyote is <laughs> faster than a Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Adam Frazier, he wants to know um where you guided up in canada he said that's super cool i went i went into an area called the quetico it's a government protected area they call it the boundary waters in ely minnesota if you're coming up through there i was going in through canada coming coming uh down and it's three million square acres and with a million square acres of water and it was wow. it's the best smallmouth fishing in the entire planet it's got northern pike smallmouth uh, it doesn't have any largemouth. It's got lake trout, and uh, it, it was it was more fun than should be allowed by the law. And I mean, I was going up there, coming back with a little jingle in my pocket. Somebody was paying me to teach them how to fish, and I was getting a vacation out of it. So it's a, it was a very interesting place, very interesting. You know, it was nothing. I'm not a. I've, I've had days when I caught a hundred fish, but I'm not a hundred fish a day guy. I'm not trying to catch a hundred fish. I'm trying to catch if I have my choice. I want to catch everything over five pounds. I like to catch five over five. So that trip up there, if you just fish the points and you were in a canoe and I, I was married at the time and the guy said to me, boy, I bet you really miss your wife. I said, you know what I really miss is my trolling motor because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to paddle all over these lakes to try to find these fish. But the smallmouth bite was unbelievable. I like that one a lot. Any way you wanted to catch them, it was really something. <laughs> now, Lance McCorder, team member, Lance McCorder from Jackson Kayak. He wants to know if you would be interested in becoming his dad. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not your dad. <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Shoot. Let's see. Oh, I think that was our big, yeah, that was our big okay. questions that the guys had put in here. You know, um, a little shameless self-promotion. I, I spend a lot of time writing my second book. It's called 60 Seasons. And mm -hmm. I, I there's no secrets. Everything's in the book. And, you know, it's relatively cheap for what you think. You know, for a lot less than you can buy a rod or a reel. For $19.95, you can go on Amazon and get 60 seasons. And whether you fish for crappie or catfish, you know, there's, you know, I, I look at some lures and say, you know, you can catch a walleye on a crankbait. just the same crankbait you catch a bass on. You know, you look at soft plastics and you can catch every manner of fish on a soft plastic so there's a lot of little things that make a difference the detailed things that make a difference in trying to catch a bunch of fish and big fish in that book and i get people all the time would say you know they'll you know they'll call or they'll they'll email or their message and saying 
uh, what are you doing such and such? And I said, did you buy my book? And I said, no, I said, buy the book. <laughs> you know, it's the, the answers are in the book. You know, it's kind of like if you're a person of belief, you, and when somebody says, no, I said, it's in the Bible. I said, also got to do, look, every answer is in the Bible. I'm not mm -hmm. saying my book is the Bible, certainly, but I am saying there are 60 seasons of experience that are sitting in those pages. And it's, it's got probably, uh, I think it's got somewhere in the neighborhood of 160 different titles and it, you know, spinner spinners are for winners. And, you know, um, until depth do us part when fish go deep, what do you do? You know, kind of a thing. So I would highly recommend that people find that book. And through the summer months, 25% of the profits going to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So, you know, you're doing me a favor and you're doing St. Jude's Children's Hospital a big favor if you buy the, the uh, book through the summer months. That's great. And I am dropping that right now. Amazon. Remember how to spell Amazon. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long week, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been yeah. a long, yeah, it's been a long week. I guess that's the best way to put it thus far. And it's only Tuesday. It's yeah. only, <laughs> it is, I guess it is just Tuesday, ain't it? Yeah. All right. So there's a link to 60 Seasons on Amazon. If you guys want to check that out, it is in the comments on the Orion Facebook page and the Jackson cool. Kayak um, YouTube channel. So, Joey. It's time. Thank everybody that you need to thank your your wonderful sponsors that you've been with for many, many years. Tell the people where to find the radio show. And obviously pick up a book on Amazon if you're listening. Yeah, do pick a little, up a book. Do a little it's, reading. It's, yeah, it's it, it really is well worth the while. Uh the radio station is AM six fifty WSM. Uh, like I said, it's been around for ninety-seven years. One of the first they call it the Air Castle of the South. And uh Long we, time. we, we we reach a lot of different places. And again, we're on the World Wide Web. And as far as sponsors, we don't even have enough time. I'm telling you, Strike King, Loose, Jackson Kayak, Bending Branches Paddles, Canine Fishing Line, Mid-South Tackle, Slider. You know, and, you know, I'm not getting checks from everybody, but that's one of the pluses of being one of the old timers, the Graybeards, is I'm still getting checks from, from a lot of the sponsors. You know, and there's a, there, I, I have a lot of people to thank for that. I really do. Because, again, I, I, I have no particular talent other than I'm willing to work hard, you know, mm -hmm. and I've always said, you know, that if, if, and I made my way in the editorial world, writing magazine articles, because I told editors, if you got something that somebody else can't do or won't do, call me and I'll do it. And doing the boat shows that I, you know, I tell people, whatever you need me to do, other than being the mascot of the boat show, I will, I will do that. And for, for 35 years, I did boat shows all over the country and made, it wasn't, I'm not saying I didn't like the money. I did like the money, but you meet new people and you, you know, when you're talking to people and you're getting that head nod from people where they understand exactly what it is you're saying and you're reaching them and you go through generations. I was on the, I was on the long tramp at Kentucky Lake and I was helping a guy back his boat in and I introduced myself. He said, I know who you are. Mm -hmm. He said, you were at the national boat show and my son, you taught my son how to pitch a jig and he never fished before that. And he hasn't stopped since. And I said, there is a life-changing event. You know, when you're able to do that and change, even if it's one life, you know, and this is a big old world. We're all just trying to make our way in it. And, you know, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else is. I just get to fish a lot and get to be in the outdoors a lot. And when people say they're blessed, I, I'm telling you, I have truly been blessed to be in the right place at the right time around the right people. I, you know, I, I couldn't stress that enough. I'm just a, I'm the most blessed person I've ever run into easily. I like it. I like it a lot. And hard working, hard work. Lance uh, McWhorter says 
hard work is an incredibly underrated talent and it is a hundred thousand percent especially these days hard work goes a long way and and i think we've got a lot of good people at jackson kayak that are testament to that um so yeah uh thank our sponsors here for the show obviously jackson kayak orion coolers pick your orion cooler up at jacksonkayak.com you can save five five percent with code orion rocks at checkout um accessories ship free so buy you a cooler get a whole bunch of accessories pick up one of the limited edition 55s there's only a few of the yellow ones left i heard uh rumored this week already that the Yellow ones are running out, and they are never to be seen again. So if you want a yellow yellow ribbon cooler, pick that dude up, jacksonkayak.com. Um, obviously, Bass Coast Swag, thank them. Uh, Cast King uh, Rods and Reels, we appreciate the heck out of them. Z-Pro Lithium Batteries, keeping Zach and I powered all season long. We love them. Um, they've been great batteries. You don't even have to charge good. them. You don't even have to charge them. They just wake up with power. That's a lie. <laughs> but you should charge your battery. <laughs> That's a bold face lie. Charge your battery kids. Um, but yeah, power last, they do last very, very well. So a side note on the coolers is that, yeah. you know, everybody, I said, you know, there's no such thing as bad weather with people that aren't prepared for it. I've got a Orion 65 that it's my emergency go-to. If we lose our power, I take all the stuff out of the freezer, the stuff out of the refrigerator and put mm-hmm. it in that cooler. And you know, it's going to be good before they get the power back on that's for sure and my yep. jackson kayak my jackson kayak was made in 2017 and it's been probably on the water probably 700 times so that's yep. a testament to you know the qual i take care of it that's a testament to the quality and i can load it by myself i don't need my mommy to help me <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it a lot uh, well guys thanks for watching we'll be back in action tomorrow night we've got a little show we like to call Jackson Kayak Doc Talk, which we uh, assemble the Avengers of kayak fishing, our Jackson Kayak team, and, and put them on the show together as an esteemed panel to take all your questions, give you all the answers, and talk all things kayak fishing. So, with and, that being uh, said, working, yeah. work, working on possibly a special episode next week. Yeah, special episode, possibly a specialist. It possibly. may be pre recorded, it may be live. We'll let you guys know, though. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if that comes through. (laughs) We're hoping. We're hoping that episode finally comes through. So we've been waiting on this one a long time, and hopefully the the stars of Orion have aligned. (laughs) 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 Good night, everybody. Joey, tell them. Tell them. I'll be Tennesseeing you. Have a good night, folks. Later. See you.